Welcome to the VO2 Lounge podcast. In this episode, I'll be talking all about hot and cold therapy, aka saunas and ice plunges. So, hot and cold exposure has had a recent rise in popularity with various new devices popping up on the market every week, it would seem in some cases. Um, All of this stems from the reported health benefits, in particular a reduction in or cause mortality. I mean, it depends where you look, but that is kind of ends where they're all pointing. Uh, People often reported being more uh, stimulated and motivated post-cold exposure, whether it's from an ice bath or a cold shower. Cold showers and ice baths really, I mean, if you've been in the kind of health and fitness or longevity or all these kind of like self-improvements when it comes to your physical and cognitive state you've probably heard of taking a cold shower or an ice bath. Um, For the purpose of this episode I'll mainly be focusing on the health benefits however I will touch on some of the more subjective benefits as well. Um, If you like the sound of this episode you should know I already have done an episode on this topic in much greater detail in the past. This episode aims to be a condensed version um, of that previous episode with less time um, spent really digging into the minutiae of it and therefore being for people who maybe just want a 20 minute to 30 minute bird's eye kind of view rather than an hour and 10, hour and 20 minute real thorough explanation of all the ins and outs of this. Um, If you're new and this is the first episode you're hearing, well, welcome to the podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please feel free to uh, leave the podcast a rating, follow the podcast, and best of all, share it with your friends. That's the best way to get a podcast as small as this to grow. So let's get some of the origins and the requirements of hot and cold therapy out of the way. So bathing in the heat for the purpose of purification, cleansing and healing is a very ancient practice observed for thousands of years across many cultures. um, Variations of its use appear today in in Russia, uh, sweat lodges of America and India's um, and saunas of Finland. Uh, So sauna use sometimes referred to as sauna bathing which is characterized by short-term passive exposure to heat uh, to sorry to high temperatures typically ranging from 45 degrees celsius to 100 degrees celsius depending on the modality used so longer exposure uh, time usually means cooler temperatures now the finished style of using a sauna involves one to three sessions of heat exposure lasting about five to twenty minutes with the longer sessions showing more robust health benefits um, in the studies that I've looked through, um, with periods of cooling placed in between these sessions. The methods used to cool off vary from jumping into the snow, obviously in Finland during the winter, plenty of that, or immersing yourself in cold water, which would be a more commonplace technique in uh, sort of resorts or at home if you're privileged enough to have that availability of a sauna or some kind of hot exposure. Um, The idea being that this will stress the body further than just simply um, having the hot exposure. Um, It is known that the periodic exposure to both hot and cold helps improve 
uh, vascular function due to the body changing the level of cooling or heat retention it needs to employ. Uh, when jumping between extremes, the extreme gradient accelerates the transition uh, and is meant to further improve this function. When an individual returns to the sauna after um, a swim in, in ice-cold water, this effect is evidenced by the feeling of swollen hands and legs together with strong pulsation sensations as blood flow is strongly stimulated by these extreme variations in temperature. The high-level benefits of hot and cold exposure um, can be sort of summarized in the following. A decreased cardiovascular and all cause mortality, um, lowered uh, incidence of uh, hypertension, reduced incidence of respiratory disease, um, reduced incidence of Alzheimer's disease and dementia. Um, the benefits are reported to stem from the following uh, reduced blood pressure, improved relaxation, increased sweating and fluid loss. Uh, reduction in arterial stiffness and improved uh, endothelial function, improved cognition and mental health, improved health and oh, sorry of the endocrine system, improved immune and respiratory function. Uh, so from this, it's clear why the topic has peaked in interest amongst the general public, yourself probably, uh, and um, myself included. Now, what's the physiological response to heat stress? What is actually going on? So, exposure to high uh, temperatures stresses the body, that is obvious. Now, this results in a rapid response that affects primarily the skin and cardiovascular system. Now, the skin uh, heats first as it's directly in contact with the air, rising to approximately 40 degrees C, followed by changes in core body temperature, which rises slowly from 37 to approximately 38 and then increases rapidly to approximately 39. Um, cardiac output during heat exposure can increase by as much as 60 to 70 percent, while the um, sorry, while the heart rate uh, increases to as much as approximately 150 uh, beats per minute during the sauna sessions um, and the stroke volume remains stable. Um, so along with this approximately 50 to 70 percent of the body circulation uh, redistributes from the core um, to the skin to facilitate sweating resulting in fluid losses at a rate approximately uh, 0.6 to 1 entire kilogram per hour um, averaging an approximately um, half a kilogram during a moderate temperature finish style sauna session moderate being about 80 to 90 degrees c so not exactly cold um, most of these values here pre that i've stated already um, are in those kind of considered moderate amounts moderate temperature sorry so he uh, acute heat uh, heat exposure also induces an increase in overall plasma volume to help uh, mitigate the decreases in core blood volume that are occurring during uh, this higher rate of sweating this increases the plasma volume provides a reserve source of fluid for sweating as i've just said this cools the body to prevent rapid increase in core body temperature and promotes heat tolerance so Though that is effectively what's happening with the physiology when it comes to how is it adapting, what are the stressors, um, and what's really occurring while you're in that uh, hot environment.
as I stated earlier, there are a long list of benefits that come from this uh, finished style sauna bathing of coming in and out, of going between hot environments and cool environments. But two of the kind of big, I would say, topical uh, uh, factors that I mentioned, like if you were to be scrolling through, say, YouTube on the shorts or whatever, the thing that I feel like will jump out the most that will be snipped up the most, is heat shock proteins and brown fat. So starting with heat shock proteins, uh, one of the protective adaption responses to heat stress is the increased expression of heat shock proteins or HSPs. These proteins play pr uh, prominent roles in many um, cellular processes, including immune function, cell signaling, cell cycle regulation, uh, and proteo-homeostasis. They are generally associated with human longevity, pro uh, protective against neurodegenerative uh, diseases, and help um, moderate muscle atrophy. These are all kind of like real hallmarks of a the aging process and things that you want to keep to a minimum slash keep under control slash uh, snuff out as much as you can they are all to some extent going to happen you can't stay youthful forever but the sauna is reportedly to increase these heat proteins which reportedly reduce all these factors now 30 minutes of exposure to a 73 degree celsius room is reported to increase heat shock proteins by up to 49 percent which is sustained over time with heat acclimated individuals seeing a more rapid rise than unacclimated at, sorry, unacclimatized individuals. So essentially saying that the first time you're coming into this, a bit like fitness where it's going to be, there will still be a quick rise, but it won't be as quick as someone who's done this acclimation and then is returning to the uh, sauna. Um, or if you've done a bout of maybe five days in a row and then you cut it down to maybe two days a week, for example, you'll see a greater benefit than the individual who's never done this before. As for brown fat, also known as directly as brown adipose tissue, yeah, this is located only in small deposits around the body, mostly in the neck area, and is activated by cold exposure. Uh, in contrast to white fat, um, yeah, uh, sorry, you generally uh, refer to subcutaneous fat or slash. That is generally uh, what, what you're going to find in the body, which stores fat. Brown fat mainly burns energy, which is uh, then released as heat. So it's a thermal, it, funnily enough, I suppose they are both thermal regulatory um, devices to some extent. But our predominant purpose for uh, subcutaneous and just white fat is for an energy store to be utilized for movement or just life in general. Whereas brown fat is going to be utilized to be consumed to produce heat. Uh, brown fat is activated by cold and cooler environments and has been shown to relate to higher uh, cold fat activation and lower overall body weight. Now... Could be some reverse causality here, because however, with this in mind, it is important to note that the actual brown fat deposits are only a few grams. Browning of white fat to a substantial extent would need to show, a be uh, sorry, 
browning of white fat to a substantial extent would be required to show a physiologically relevant effects on whole body metabolism because in these few grams that is generally uh, found in it can be accounted for roughly 20 calories per day so very nominal very nominal clearly has a function when it comes to thermal regulation but when it comes to oh you're going to be slimmer because you've done this sauna work and now have sorry this hot and cold exposure and you now have brown fat it's not suddenly going to make you lose loads of weight so sorry to disappoint you now without going into too much detail over the various other benefits and methods of action of which how they're going to occur there are some there are vastly more things that i could talk about here but for this purpose of this episode we shall keep it short so if you'd like more information refer back to the previous episode with exactly the same title just it's not a short compressed version but there's a lot of benefits to do with cardiovascular health in general um heat exposure um is tend to be referred to as similar to exercise but less potent as such um some of these include things like um during the actual partaking in it heart rate may increase up to 100 beats per minute during moderate temperature sauna bathing and then up to 150 in more extreme uh, high temperature sauna bathing which can be similar to zone 2 in its kind of heart rate ranges um, and like exercise regular sauna use generally uh, decreases systolic and diastolic blood pressure increases left ventricular uh, ejection fraction and reduces left ventricular ejection time which is effectively the efficiency of the heart um, enhances arterial compliance and improves endothelial function which is again effectively your body's control over the contraction and dilation of your blood vessels so you may have heard vasoconstriction and vasodilation it's effectively just your body's just control and how good it is at doing its job really um now it's not as potent again but if someone has an inflammatory in- injury say to the knee or something that limits the amount of exercise they're able to do or load-bearing activities the sauna can provide a valuable resource to still stimulate the cardiovascular system without providing any load or strain to the body it's also reported to improve uh, lipid profile uh, heart rate variability is also reported to improve um, now the endocrine system again growth hormone secretion progressively declines with age and and may contribute to sarcopenia obesity and frailty and sauna use uh, promotes transient growth hormone release which varies according to time temperature and frequency of exposure Uh, for example two 20 minute sauna sessions at 80 degrees c separated by 30 minutes of cooling period elevated growth hormone levels twofold over baseline in some studies um now actual improvements in cardiovascular fitness um 
you have some small intervention studies that investigate the effects of repeat sauna use on uh, endurance and other physical effects in six mile distance runners. Um, the findings showed that one 30 minute sauna session twice a week for three weeks post workout increased the time that it took for the study participants to run until exhaustion by 32% compared to the baseline. Now, this is a common method, um, sort of training modality used for one heat acclimation, but it also is thought to induce greater performances in general. Sauna bathing on its own, you're not going to suddenly like. You're not going to not run, do a bunch of sauna sessions and come straight out of the blocks as a 20 minute 5k runner. But it is beneficial to stress that entire system anyway. The plan was from the beginning to get this done in 20 minutes. And I think I'm on track. Only two more bits to go, which are going to be the concerns and drawback. And more importantly, other heat stress modalities. So I think it would be unfair to list all these possible positive outcomes without addressing some of the concerns around the treatment. So heat exposure has uh, notable but reversible effects on male sperm and fertility measures. Uh, in a study involving 10 healthy men who underwent two 50-minute sauna sessions at 80 to 90 degrees Celsius every week for three months, the men experienced reduced sperm counts uh, and motility. These measures returned to normal, however, within six months. Essentially, if you're trying to have a child, don't do sauna bathing. But if it's way off, aka six months off plus, then it's fine to do. Um, the same goes for pregnant women. Although the results and guidelines are a bit unclear, it's uh, best to consult with your doctor throughout the pregnancy if you are thinking of continuing your use of the sauna. In Finland, it is common for women to continue sauna exposure, however, at a reduced level of exposure and temperature, and I think it's similar to exercise. Clearly, still healthy to partake, but don't start training for a marathon while you're, having, while you're pregnant. It express some discretion. Um, as, a res uh, sorry, as for children, they have less efficient thermoregulatory mechanisms than adults due to critical differences in their anatomy and physiology. In particular, they are lower sweat rates uh, than adults. You usually discover that when you go through puberty, suddenly you sweat more, uh, which can compromise their ability to dissipate body heat through evaporation, making them less capable um, of going through long, hot sauna exposure sessions. Um, there is genuine risk of... Uh, degradation uh, sorry dehydration so proper hydration and electrolyte balance are critical to maintain the body's fluid balance and promote normal muscle contractility and nerve function um, as i mentioned earlier approximately half a kilo to a kilo of fluid is lost as sweat during a single sauna session but can vary massively from person to person i mean you're gonna you're probably going to be okay if you forget your water bottle but it's a good idea to maybe on the lead in be adequately hydrated if you're going to do an hour on the way out make sure again you have some kind of hydration plan just to get things flowing again now of course there are other heat stress modalities it's not only well hot and cold modalities it's not only saunas and um ice baths to some i mean ice baths somewhat lowish cost just a bit of a pain in the ass to set up at home unless you have some kind of system in place but you're probably wondering 
what are these kind of other options so other strategies for elevating core body temperature such as the use of hot water blankets hypothermic baths uh, heating coils or uh, specialized lamps that emit infrared a radiation in a confined area or chamber may also have favorable effects on the cardiovascular system and central nervous system Hot water immersion in particular elicits benefits effect, uh, sorry, beneficial effects on several markers of cardiac health. For example, hot water bathing for more than five minutes per week was associated with lower biomarkers of uh, atherosclerosis and lower markers of cardiac loading, a measure of cardiac function, the function of the heart really effectively. Now, the temperature and frequency of hot baths um, and dose depends effects on improving biomarkers of the cardiac health. Hot baths have been shown to increase heat shock proteins, a biomarker for heat stress. One uh, study demonstrated that uh, waist down immersion in a 40 degree C hot bath for one hour increased the presence of heat shock proteins. Um, hot baths also elicit favorable benefits on the brain, including increased cerebral blood flow, particularly in the frontal lobe. Furthermore, a randomized kind of control trial found that hot water baths for eight weeks uh, had a moderate but significant effect on improving depressive symptoms in participants um, with depressive disorder compared to the placebo treatment now um, although it's going to use lots of water and is a little hard to maintain the temperature a hot bath of 40 degrees c appears to be similar in its effects to a sauna um, now, I haven't found data exactly on this myself, but as water is much better at transferring heat than air is, um, and as you're aware, unable to cool yourself through convection, it would be fair to say that 40 degrees C water would be an uncomfortable, well, would be as uncomfortable as much of a shock to the body as a room of much higher temperature, say 90 degrees C, simply because of that blocking of the the sweat well you can still sweat but there's no evaporation convection as i've just said and the actual heat transfer between you and the water is far greater than you and air so it it's simple to some extent to see why this is the case you can buy covers for baths and all you have to simply do really is jump from the bath to the cold shower and it's probably going to be enough of a difference. I haven't got exact data on the cold shower side of things, but it's fair to say that you're probably getting most of the benefits on a easier slash more convenient uh, situation. So I'd like to say thank you for listening to this episode. I, I hope you've enjoyed it. And if you really have and want to learn more, all this and more is covered in my previous episode. So thank you for listening to today's episode. If you want more content like this in general, there are plenty of previous episodes to check out on various topics. But before you do, why not follow the podcast and leave a rating wherever you get your podcasts from, or even better, share it for a friend. Share it with a friend is the best way to let this podcast grow. If any comments, feedback, or if you would like to suggest a topic for a future episode, I can be contacted at the vo2lounge.com that's t-h-e-v-o the number two l-o-u-n-g-e at gmail.com and with that i will see you in the next one